high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Justin Higginbottom. It's Tuesday, November 29th. A proposed noise buffer county ordinance has worried businesses in Moab. The rule would require companies producing noise, like OHV outfitters or dog kennels, to be located outside of a 200-foot buffer from residential areas, schools, and churches. Those businesses within the 200-foot buffer would need to build an 8-foot wall or tree barrier. The proposal notes that noise pollution can cause, quote, stress-related illnesses, high blood pressure, speech interference, hearing loss, sleep disruption, and lost productivity. The rule would notably impact businesses in the commercial zone along Highway 191, which runs through Moab. Some OHV employers felt blindsided by the proposal and unsure if they would be impacted. Here's Lori McFarland of High Point Hummer and ATV speaking during yesterday's planning commission meeting. The goal is to make a cohesive, livable community. I want to be certainly part of that. But we also want to be friendly to businesses that might already be in existence, that might be within some of these buffers. Current businesses won't be impacted unless they make a substantial improvement to their property, which would then kick in those new requirements. Here's Sean Walter of Moab Tourism Center giving his comments. I understand we we have issues, but we want to be on the team. I want to be on the team to try to make things better. And so I would always say with tour companies, especially try to to be us to be a part of a partnership. Brenner Perriott runs an auto garage that could be impacted. He rushed from work to attend the meeting. And he's also worried about a requirement for dust mitigation in the new rules. He estimates that would cost him over $50,000 alone. I'm not saying I'm against helping make our community a better place, but I am against it being kind of a shock factor. Um, I'm against that feeling of me having to run down here, shut my shop down because I don't have enough employees to run the freaking place to come talk to you guys about what the heck's going on here. Um, I'd like a little bit of heads up. Although businesses would be grandfathered in, some renters are worried they would be impacted if forced to move. That's not uncommon with skyrocketing land values in the area. Here's Trevor Earhart of Cliffhanger Jeep Rental. There's no way new businesses can come in and absorb the cost that they're going to do. And it won't be small businesses. It'll be great big giant corporations with lots of money to back it. And that isn't what Moab wants. That's not what anybody in Moab wants. Also in front of the Planning Commission is a new overlay district requiring outfitters who offer U-Drive or follow-behind tours to be located near off-road trail systems. The goal is to limit all-terrain vehicles traveling through residential areas. It was a Thanksgiving miracle. World-famous Woody's Tavern has been saved. The Utah Department of Alcoholic Beverage Services had threatened to pull the Moab Bar's license after the owner failed to notify the state of a closure lasting more than 10 days. Woody's organized a petition signing and outreach effort to stay in business. Utah regulators noted that while the bar did break the rules, they did not try to conceal their closure and the state chose to exercise their discretion and drop the complaint. That discretion isn't always used, as was the case last month when the state pulled the license of an Ogden business that had closed because of a kitchen fire. A spokesman for Governor Spencer Cox told the Salt Lake Tribune that, quote, sometimes government needs a little common sense. The Colorado River's foundational legal document turns 100 years old this month. 
The agreement among seven Western states was groundbreaking for its time, but as KUNC's Luke Runyon reports, it continues to contribute to the Southwest's water crisis. Eric Kuhn walks along a gravel path above the Colorado River in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. The river below is turbid and choppy as it winds its way through town, past hot springs resorts and whitewater outfitters. Here we are about a whole 150 miles downstream of the headwaters of the Colorado River. Kuhn is the former head of the Colorado River District, a water agency based on the state's western slope. He's the co-author of the book Science Be Damned a detailed examination of how the river's foundational agreement, the Colorado River Compact, came together a century ago. When I think of rivers, I think of, well, where's, where's the water coming from and where's it going? And what's happened to this river over the last 100 years? In the 19-teens, European settlers were moving into some of the most arid reaches of the country. The Southwest was rapidly developing, but one thing was missing a stable water supply. The river's flows were extreme, transitioning quickly from flood to drought. Kuhn says fledgling western states saw the river as a problem to solve. We needed to control nature. We needed to uh, figure out a way to make this river from a menace to a natural resource. That mentality is what brought leaders from those states and the federal government to Santa Fe in 1922 to hammer out the agreement. It divided up the river's water and promised the states a fixed amount to use. Kuhn says the negotiators chose political expediency over science. If we, everyone agrees that there's enough water to meet all our needs, dividing it up is going to be very easy. If there's not enough water, then it's going to create complications. We're 100 years later, and obviously our priorities are different than the priorities of the people who existed at that time. Kathy Jacobs is a water policy professor at the University of Arizona. The priority then was irrigation water for the Southwest's small farms. They weren't thinking of what a future Phoenix metro area might need, or how their decisions would affect the Grand Canyon's ecosystems. I don't think that it's particularly flexible, and we're in a situation where flexibility will probably be key. And that inflexibility is still being felt today, Jacob says. Because more water exists on paper than in the river, its biggest reservoirs, Lakes Mead and Powell, continue to decline to record lows. For Heather Tanana, a University of Utah law professor and citizen of the Navajo Nation, the compact also represents how indigenous people have been excluded from river management over time. Water for many tribes It's not a commodity. It's something sacred. It's something that's integral to not just human life, but the broader community and environmental well-being. Collectively, tribes hold rights to more than 20% of the river's water, but only recently have calls for a tribal seat at the negotiating table been seriously considered by the states and the federal government. That's been a shift in the last, really, I think, five years of recognizing tribal interests their legal rights, and beyond that, that tribes can be a part of problem solving. So with all of its flaws, why would anyone want to keep using the compact? 
Well, Kevin Wheeler, a river management fellow at the University of Oxford in the UK, says more water leaders are choosing to ignore some of the compact's math. Newer agreements show some willingness to cut back on overall water use voluntarily. Even though no individual state wants to take the hit, they all recognize the need to take the hit together. And what the compact serves as now, he says, is a way to keep all of the users returning to the negotiating table. What's often been said is we're not going to get rid of it, but we may have to bend the hell out of it to make it work. And figure out a way to bend it before the whole system breaks. I'm Luke Runyon in Grand Junction, Colorado. This story is part of ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by KUNC and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, November 29th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.